Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for another opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you anoint this time together? Would you pour out your anointing? We ask you for encouragement tonight. We ask you for comfort. Comfort our hearts, encourage our hearts, bolster our faith. Lord, your word says that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as the the word is spoken and received and heard, boost our faith. We want to continue to live faithfully for Jesus Christ. We want to live faithfully for the Lord all the days of our life, no matter what comes our way, no matter the winds or the storms. God, we're asking for you to touch our hearts tonight. And as we look into your word at this parable, we ask that you would speak specifically to our hearts in ways that are personal, that only you could know, God. So bless the the preaching and the hearing of your word. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, we're just, we're going to continue on our theme of the Matthew 24 and Matthew K. All right, well, I'm going to just pause there. (laughs) A very, very zealous altar call. (laughs) Oh my God. Zeke wins best altar call ever. There is not a chance he could be thrown out. Not a chance. That was, he will be playing for the Chiefs, guaranteed, with that kind of base stealing. He, he can go down if you want. He can go, okay. That was impressive. I'm actually impressed. So we're, we're making our way through Matthew 24 and 25, and now we're about halfway through Matthew 25. I'm calling this message the continuing, the Mount of Olives messages, but this is the parable about the travels, the talents, and the trusted servants. And going to breeze through a lot of the introductory information, but just real quick, when we get to a parable, we... Read the story kind of as a story. And then we also read the story parallel to that. We kind of go, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What's the spiritual application? Because parables usually have a a believable story, but then some kind of left and right turns to where he wants to really make a point that has nothing to do with the story, but clearly has something to do with us. And so we don't just throw out the real story and totally spiritualize it. And we don't, you know, we don't just do the opposite either. So we read it kind of both ways. And I'm going to read the the Matthew parable, but just wanted to highlight also at the bottom of the first page, Luke has a version of the parable. 
Uh, by the way, Caleb, uh, there's a quiz on this tonight, so just so you know. <laughs> just a little heads up. Um, Luke's version is a little different, but it's, they're both very similar, but just we're going through the Matthew passages. I just wanted to put the text there in case anybody wanted to study it. But the, the gist is very similar, but the, some details are different. And whenever that happens in Scripture, there's a couple things that we conclude. One is Jesus may have shared this parable a number of times with different details. Um, it's not just that Matthew got it right and Luke got it wrong or vice versa. Sometimes there were many, many, you know, preachers preach the same sermon at times. And so that could be. And so we just look at both of these stories. They're similar, but there's different details for different reasons. So we want to know both of them. But we're going to look at Matthew's tonight. And let me read through it real quick here. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And very quickly, if you're following on the Facebook Live or the recording, you can go to our website, gphop.org slash teachings, forward slash teachings, and the notes are right there. And so just wanted to say that if you wanted to see those. But Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Very significant statement. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, same thing, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And this is where the parable goes, ooh, man, goes downhill quick. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, 
more will be given and he who ha- and he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth ooh that ended painfully started so good and then ended so bad and that's often parables are Jesus is giving the full spectrum of here's where our choices end uh, or end up in in this situation there's some that are going to hear really good things and others that won't and we'll just turn over to the other page here but I say this often but I cannot be a faithful communicator without highlighting all the things Jesus said and there are There's such a zeal, we're going to see in the rest of the teaching, there's a zeal in the heart of Jesus to go, look, you could hear one of, you could hear well done after being faithful, shoot for that. But there are going to be people who hear the other statement, you'd want to avoid that as much as possible. And so I read that story and many Christians are tempted to get out their, you know, their Sharpie and blot that last few verses out, but we can't do that. We have to go, oh, okay, I definitely don't want to be in that category. How do I live? Real quick, I just want to go through some important aspects of the parable, and then we're going to get into some takeaways. But the Lord would not say these things if they weren't really important. I mean, he wouldn't highlight that there's really good and there's really bad. And, and this theme is consistent. I mean, he in the parable we looked at last time there's the parable of the 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 wise young girls and the foolish young girls and some were invited in and others were left out and it's like oh okay I want to be in that category I want to be in the right I want to be in and so it's like the Lord saying it in a different way but there's still the two camps and what I find that is interesting is they all seem to be professing followers but over time, it's like, okay, there was an evidence of not the case. And I just, over time, I just don't want to be found lacking. I want to be found faithful. So let's just keep going here before I get too far off the notes. But the traveler, of course, in the parable is Jesus. This is on page two of the notes or the back of the first page. He goes to a far country, which represents heaven. It's going on a a journey and will return after a long time. So he's tarrying. Again, this theme is consistent through the parables of Matthew 24 and 25. He's leaving. He's going away. It's going to be a long time. But the point he makes in many of these parables is don't just assume he's never coming back because there will come a time where he comes back and then he's going to settle accounts or there's going to be a need to be prepared. There's there's key ideas, and so some people think, well, it's been thousands of years, whatever. I'll just live my life and, you know, hope to get in, you know, to the, hope to get in. And, and many Christians have this attitude, but Jesus is making very clear, no, don't have that attitude. Live very purposeful and stay prepared for the day where this man returns, where the bridegroom comes, or the traveler comes back, or in the Luke 19 passage, he's called a nobleman who goes to receive a kingdom. Be ready when that king comes back. And so the traveler is Jesus. The servants are 
us, the followers of Jesus. And the talents, often when this parable is shared, people talk about like personal talent, like I have athletic talent or business acumen, but, but really a talent was a form of currency. It was what they called their money. And so he, to be literal in this passage, he gave them his money. And he said, actually, what's very interesting, and I think intentional in the Matthew passage, no instructions are given. He just says, here's my money. And then he leaves. In the Luke passage, he says, take care of business. (laughs) But there was almost no specific instruction. But we'll get to, you know, when, when Jesus gives us something, it's never do nothing. It always means do something. And it's, it's, I feel like it's, it's so simple that we miss it at times. So there's the traveler, the servants, the talents, and then there's the rewards. There are two rewards that Jesus highlights in this parable. One is rulership and one is joy. So leadership and joy. And so those are key concepts. When we are faithful with the little God gives us in this life, sometimes he gives us a little more during our life, but in the next age, which when I say the next age, it's what Jesus talked about, which is after he comes back, there's a millennium where he rules on the earth for a thousand years, and then after that is a different age where we just live for eternity. (laughs) And that's glossing over two huge subjects, but when Christ returns after that is the position I hold. There's a literal 1,000-year period, and during that period, people like us who had little, you know, little influences, you know, we led Bible studies and prayer groups and houses of prayer and pastored churches and led small businesses, and we just did the little thing God asked us to do, that translates to authority forever. And I don't want to get too deep into into that because I want to go on for a few other things, but I do want to pause for just a moment and highlight that faithfulness in this life translates to authority forever. And not that we're being faithful now because we want to be over people or but Jesus makes very clear that if you flip back over to in the Matthew passage, well done, you are faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many. And look down to the Luke passage right below it. Uh, you have been uh, faithful, well done, good servant, because you're faithful and very little, have authority over 10 cities. That is quite literal. There will be people who we thought had almost no influence in this life. They were a faithful uh, preschool Bible teacher, and that's what God asked them to do, so they did it faithfully. People like that, Sunday school teachers, um, you know, rural pastors who have a flock of 10 people in the middle of nowhere, they were faithful their whole life. They will be ruling and reigning with Christ over huge areas in his kingdom with him. And I know that brings up a lot of theological questions. Well, I, some people think heaven's going to be just a spirit, we're all spiritual bodies, but no, it's going to be a very physical place just like this earth, but way better 
And so if that's kind of, you know, like, whoa, I want to encourage you, study more into that. But not just rulership, Jesus highlights the aspect of joy. And this is what, this is so important because, I mean, ruling and leading and all that, that's cool. But Jesus promises joy. Joy will come to those who are faithful. I, I look at John fifteen eleven, John sixteen twenty four. Jesus promises joy in the life of a believer. Many today, they're going, man, if I give up everything to follow Jesus, I bet it's going to be dry. I bet it's going to be dull. I bet it's going to be drudgery. And the truly, Satan will relentlessly attack people. Say, oh, if you follow Christ, no more fun for you. If you get serious about Jesus, you know, just... You might as well, you know, just consign your whole life to drudgery. And and Jesus says the exact opposite. When we're faithful with what he's given us and we steward it well, the longer we obey like that, the more we touch a fuller place of joy. Not every day, not every moment. You know, the idea isn't like we're going to be in ecstasy every moment of every day. But the, the places of our heart, they grow as we spiritually mature. And so as the seasons unfold, as we purpose to obey, and no one does it perfectly, and Jesus understands, we get to that place of experiencing joy more and more. So there's the traveler, there's the servants, there's the talents, there's the rewards. I want to spend a little bit more time on the takeaways Hello, we did have some notes for you, Renee. I'm not sure where Joshua put those. You came right at the right time, Renee. This is really where I want to spend a little bit of time. I kind of blew through most of the notes. I'll probably go till about 8 o'clock. In every parable, there is an overwhelming takeaway. And I would say this, I'm not trying to be a big theological hotshot, but the number one thing we want to receive in every parable is greater insight about Jesus himself. Not some little, you know, uh, random thing like, oh, look at that comma there. I can't believe that, you know, like that comma might be important. But a greater revelation of Jesus, a more specific understanding of him, that's like the golden egg in every parable. That's like the the gift of revelation that just keeps on giving. We, anytime you get to a parable and you're like, oh, scratching your head, like, what is that? The most basic thing that we can do is, Lord, show me your heart more clearly. And so the, the number one, what I want us to just get is the heart of the traveler, the heart of Jesus. Jesus is the traveler in this, in this parable. His heart is to praise the servants. That's his heart. And his heart is to praise us. Now, many people view God as mostly angry, mostly disappointed, mostly, oh, if God had me in a room, I'd probably really hear it, really get it. I truly believe what, what motivates the heart of God more than anything, he says, I want you to live in such a way 
that when we see each other face to face, I get to say to you, well done. You nailed it. No one did it perfect except Jesus. But that's really what he wants to say to us. You lived in such a way that, you you know, two steps forward, one back, three forward, two back, you know, got off track here, got back on track. That's how the best of us do it. He really does want to say, man, I love you so much. You did it. It wasn't easy. I get it. I helped you. And you, that's his heart. This is the most important thing. He, imagine you and Jesus at that, you know, account settling. And he's just going, yeah, I know it was only, you know, you had the, the two and you got two more. That's all I wanted you to do. You know, it, you know, if someone, you know, the guy who had five and he got five more, you know, the guy with two doesn't go, Lord, I, I, I was trying to get five, but I only got two. And, you know, sometimes we think like that. We don't compare ourselves to the person who has 10 and the person who has five and the person who has two. We're not above the person. Just whatever God's given us, the resource, the influence, whatever he's given us, we seek to steward it faithfully. It's parables like this. That where I go, God, you called me to do a house of prayer. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to do, it might be literally the equivalent of one penny, but I'm going to get you one penny in return. I'm going to invest it. I'm going to get a few extra cents for you. Now, in this parable, a talent was a lot of money. It was a great deal of money. And so, you know, it was sort of like, here, here's a bunch of talents. It's a lot of money. Here's a bunch to you. And Here's one to you. Again, there wasn't clear instruction in the Matthew account, but the idea is whatever God gives us, he is inviting us to do something. And that something is, you you know, you got to, whatever the Lord tells you to do, but like in my context, the Lord said, do house of prayer. Okay, well, let's get people praying. Let's teach the Bible. Let's have some events and let's do some things. You know, let's, Try to do what we can. Oh, okay, a pandemic came. Okay, things are different, but let's keep trying to get prayer stirred up. So, and what I've found is the more that I just stick with what the Lord said, God makes a way. He's done it for me. He'll do it for, for all of us. So Amen. let's always, 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 we're looking at the parable. We're going, oh, that's your heart. You don't want to rebuke me at the end of my life. You don't, you're not like longing to give me this stunning correction. No, you're, you're inviting me into a lifestyle where you can genuinely say to me, you did it. Well done. You were good. You were faithful. You were a servant. You did it. Now, if you read passages like Matthew 6, 4 and Matthew 6, 6, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, I don't have my Bible But those three verses make clear that there's coming a day where God will publicly honor us for our relationship with him. Matthew says it twice. There will be a time where he openly praises our relationship with him, openly to others. And then Paul, little verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, talks about there's coming a day at the judgment seat of Christ where everybody's praise will come from God. Sometimes we read passages like that and go, oh, 
oh, oh no, the Lord sees everything. I bet one day there's going to be a huge rebuke in front of everybody. Actually, his heart is the opposite. He's motivated to give us a huge commendation and exhortation in front of everyone. I envision there will be huge gatherings where people like us will be called to the front and God himself will say, Amanda, I know it was small. I gave you five and you did five more. I know almost nobody noticed, but I noticed. And you know, they don't call up little Zeke, but Zeke won't be little anymore. Zeke, big and strong Zeke. I gave you seven and you made it seven and Zeke will be all chipper and he'll dive up to the front. <laughs> a little bit ago, Zeke ran up and just did a total nosedive. So. But it will be the most epic. I mean, try to picture this sometime of you going before the Lord at that Bema seat and, and receiving praise from him. And there's always that one guy that says, well, we, we shouldn't receive praise from God. We need to be those that praise God. And so the Lord's going to pat him on the head. Oh, you little Johnny. Yes, you need to praise me, but I'm God. I get to praise you back. I get to do that. And so sometimes we have this weird concept of like God's really religious. No, we are going to worship and praise and honor him for eternity. He's God. But there's also a very real element where he goes, hey, you. You said yes to me, and that moved my heart. And yes, I knew you were going to do that. I'm God. I know everything. But that really meant a lot to me that you did that, that you lived it. And there will be those public ceremonies. And again, I don't know all the details. It just, I believe what it says in the scriptures. So I'm really looking forward to those days. I want to live now to hear that well done one day. Now there's two responses. There's the, you know, two of the three responded rightly and one responded wrong. And I think the main takeaway, you know, sometimes we feel like, okay, if I work in business, I have to be the next Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk to get God's attention. Or if we work in ministry, I better have to do something like Billy Graham for God to be pleased with me or, you know, fill in the blank and... You know, sometimes we look at people and go, gosh, I mean, maybe they get that kind of exhortation. And what about me, though? And really what God says is just be faithful. Amen. Be, it, it, whether, you know, let's say Billy Graham was given a hundred talents and he brought a hundred more to the Lord. We're going to get the same reward as Billy Graham or a faithful businessman. If God gives us one and we bring two in return, we get the same well done as Billy Graham, who was faithful. And so we just never compare, okay, I've been given this, and they've been given so much more, so I bet God doesn't even care about me. If I've been given the equivalent of one cent of a talent, then I labor to bring two cents back to the Lord. And there's some people who've been given a billion talents and they're responsible to bring a billion, to make it and to invest and to become fruitful. Now, because most Christians are given like one talent or two, we think it's nothing or, you know, people think it's nothing. And so they do nothing. They go, well, I'm not called to do Billy Graham and I'm not called to do the next Amazon.com. And so God probably doesn't, 
listen to me or care about me, so I'm just going to go live my life. And this is where Jesus goes, eh, don't do that. Because that servant, Jesus said, that is wickedness and that is laziness. Because that one talent was very significant. I have heard so many stories of missionaries in the middle of nowhere who they thought, oh my goodness, this is doing nothing. And, you know, then they find out years later that the little kid they gave a candy bar to actually grew up to be a preacher. And that kid got saved because of the missionary who had no idea. There's so many stories like that out there. I think most of us are given, you know, the little, the little, you know, a few Christians are kind of like the Billy Graham level and then 99.9% of the rest of us were virtually unknown in, the, in, the, in terms of, in, in our generation, but also in terms of world history. You know, there's some people we know about, like Abraham Lincoln, guy's going to be famous for a long time. Maybe not me and you, I, I mean, whatever. But just because we're given a little and there's not really that good of an instruction and nobody knows us, we still are called to be very faithful. And, and I'm telling you, there are so many people called to do like a mom's prayer meeting once a month. Do it faithfully forever, like for the rest of your life. There's some people who are called to do Sunday school once a week or fill in for the pastor when the pastor's sick. Do that faithfully, like for life. Those are the things Jesus says, that's what I'm asking you to do. Um, and then others, you know, start a little small business that just, you know, helps the neighborhood or what, you know, there's so many, whatever our calling is, whatever Jesus has resourced us with, we got to do something. And so there's the right and the wrong response. Let's make that right response. Now, just real quick on a touch on the character of the servants, because what does Jesus say? I'm going to bring this to a close here real quick. The statement that Jesus uses, I think, is worth pondering. He says of the two good servants, he says, well done. Then he says three things, good, faithful servant. How do you hear well done? Do a good job. Be faithful. Do it with a servant heart. Do it to the end. You'll hear well done. You can take that to the bank. Some people think, oh, if I need to hear well done, well, here's what I got to do. Be perfect. Never make a mistake. And be hugely influential in leadership. No, Jesus says, just do a good job. Doesn't have to be perfect. Be faithful. Doesn't say anything about never making a mistake. You don't have to have massive influence. Just do what you do with a servant heart. Serve others. Help others. It may be twos and threes or tens and twenties or a couple hundred or a couple thousand. Just have a good spirit about it. Reflect my character. Be faithful. Don't quit when there's uncertainty. Don't quit when it's little. Don't quit when it's hard. Just keep being faithful. Amen. Amen. And just keep a servant attitude. We're not above anybody. If we do that, we will hear well done. When we step through that, you know, I don't know if they're really going to be pearly gates, but we get there. You know, Peter's there with the opens about, oh, there you are, Kissner. Okay, yeah, come on in. 
And then Jesus comes along, well done, Kisner. I don't know how that's going to be. But put your name in there. We want to hear that well done. What we don't want to hear is what the bad servant heard. And, and I, I just wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I want to, anybody I can influence, let's go toward where the good servants were going. We're going to step into more, more often there's going to be increasing uncertainty in the world. There's going to be the unexpected things happening. And that's why I think this parable is so applicable is because there were no clear instructions in this parable. Jesus just gave them the money and just shot out of town. They're like, okay, a ton of money and you're gone. That's why parables, they, he, Jesus says, now get thinking. If we're given resource, Jesus wants us to do something with it. If we take that story literally, back then they didn't have a reliable banking and investing system like we do. Back then it was risky business. You give your money to this guy, that guy might just shoot out of town. There's no iPhone to track him. You know, so it was there was a lot of risk in making money the way they did. The one guy was trading things and made money. We don't know how the second guy made his money. We just know that it doubled. But Jesus expects us, even in uncertainty, to take risks to become fruitful. Jesus expects us, when he gives us his resource, it might be a penny, it might be a billion dollars, he expects us to take the risks to become fruitful. The bad servants want to highlight the bad servant. This is what Jesus says about the bad servant. He had wrong ideas about the traveler which speaks of wrong theology. He had very wrong theology. And I'm not just talking about didn't understand a really important doctrine, okay, because we all have holes in our theology. He had fundamentally, fundamentally he had very wrong theological concepts. He, he viewed the traveler in a way that... Um, he viewed Jesus or he viewed the traveler or he viewed God in a way that was harsh and demanding. And literally what he says is, I was afraid. And one of the ways we know that we have a wrong concept of God is when we're always afraid of him. Well, I don't want to do anything because he might throw lightning at me today. No, the fear of God, that's a healthy respect, that's good. But to be afraid of him will paralyze us and we'll never do anything. We'll, we won't become fruitful. And so Jesus is highlighting, this isn't just a bad servant because he just decided I want to be bad. He didn't take the time to put the right concepts in his mind of what he was really like, which is I want to praise you. I want to say well done. That's a motivating concept of God, which is what he's really like. And so really, more than Jesus is trying to just scare one-third of the body of Christ or whatever the number is, you know, one of three, I think what he's saying is there's an opportunity to fill our mind with what God's really like. Uh, 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 one of the Psalms that has so jumped off the pages at me lately, Psalm 145, I think it might be Psalm 145, 6 and 7, if I'm not mistaken, but the psalmist says God is compassionate, full of mercy. And he just goes on and on, six, seven descriptions. He's slow to anger. He's rich in mercy. His tender love is over all of his works. The psalmist was just 
filled with the knowledge of God. And he knew how kind God was. He knew how loving and merciful and compassionate, slow to anger. He, he knew this part. But we have to take time to fill our mind with that. Paul in Romans spoke of renewing our mind. And so the good servants, they knew the heart of Jesus. The bad servant, it wasn't just like, because none of us just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be a bad servant. But if we don't take time to let the word of God renew our mind, we'll inevitably begin to think like, well, God's disappointed in me. What's even the bother? I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to lose his money, so I'll just kind of dig it, put it in a handkerchief or dig it in the ground and leave it there. And Jesus says, don't do that. I am so for you. I want you to succeed. I want to praise you publicly. I want to say well done, but I won't like make it up. I, I am not just a loving God. I'm also truthful and I'm just. You live this certain way. I will say this to you. There's a real choice in the matter. And I'm not, you know, some people go, well, I just want to get saved and be good and don't, don't live like just getting saved and that's it. I mean, let's, let's be faithful to the end. So just as a, as a concluding thought, let's take some time. We'll do it tonight. We'll pray just to, Lord, teach us your heart. We want to know your heart more. And, and just, just let that touch your heart throughout the weekend, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in the coming week. Lord, show me your heart for me. Show me how much you want to say this and help me to live accordingly even when there's uncertainty, even when it's hard. Um, And I put there the very last sentence, pray for the Spirit to help us navigate uncertainty and unexpected circumstances. We want to be faithful through it all. Um, You know, there's going to be more pandemics. There's going to be more financial turbulence. There's going to be, you know, right now we're facing, uh, there's talks of recession and there's talks of, you know, inflation and where is it going to go? And there's so many things teetering. There's the Roe v. Wade decision and there's war in Ukraine and there's just uncertainty in the air. And if more things keep happening, people kind of go, oh, what do we do? And Jesus says, what did I tell you? Keep doing that. Be faithful. Do it with a good heart. It might look a little different than you thought. Be good. Be faithful. Be, be a servant. And just do it for year after year. After. Just keep doing it. And, and, and it doesn't have to be flashy. No one has to notice. You don't have to be on a magazine. You, you don't have to be a, you know, a billionaire. You, you can just, your little calling, your one little talent, make it one more. We're good. And, and that's, the, that's the life of joy. That's the life that is guaranteed. Jesus says, I will not only praise you, but I'll match it and I'll raise it. You'll be ruling with me forever and you'll be full of joy in this life and forever. Let me end in prayer right there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And I I just pray in conclusion, we're gonna pray here together in a moment, but would you just help us connect to this story? Help us to be those faithful servants who did something rather than nothing. Help us to be good, faithful servants. We want to hear well done at the end of our days, God. Lord, nobody's going to do it perfectly, but we want to stick with it through the easy, through the hard, through the ups and the downs. Help us, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 
For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.